Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. And it is October, and unfortunately, we have to have our guests in today. And by that, I mean it's cancer, uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And since it hasn't been eliminated, we've got to keep talking about it. Joining us today, uh, Executive Director of Coleman Puget Sound, David Richard, and joining us, Executive Director at Cancer Lifeline, Joseph Yurkovich. David and Joseph, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Gary. Thank you for having us. Good morning. Uh, I'm glad you guys are here uh, because we do have to keep talking about this. I don't know. If, if, let's start with a few statistics. Sometimes we just jump right into this because, oh, everybody knows we're talking about breast cancer, but it is still ravaging people. I mean, David, I mean, what are those first obvious statistics that people actually they need to know how often this strikes a, a family, right? Yeah. One in eight women. Yeah. Still hasn't gotten any better. No, but... Through research and through some real, I mean, Susan G. Komen's been around, is it, it's more than 25 years now, It's actually it? 37. Yeah. They've yeah. really put some money into researching this, and drugs, therapies, survivability rates right. have really changed, right? Yes. And we've, in the past, researched and done a lot of work in early detection, as you're talking about. Um, our focus now that we're 37 is uh, to really double down on disease that kills women. So metastatic breast cancer is where a large portion of our um, millions and millions of dollars of portfolio is going right now. So for example, this year in 2018 in the Puget Sound, we were um, the Seattle Cancer Care Alliance and UW and the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center were given a total of 1.25 million in research grants from Coleman. So focusing on metastatic disease and on vaccine research for breast cancer. Well, those are incredible. Yeah, when people say vaccine for cancer, that that's like a step forward from, just think back 10 years, not to mention 25, 50 years, when people would say, she has cancer. Right. And they that was about all they wanted to say about it. And, that right. meant that's, and now we're talking, really? We're on the verge of looking at vaccines and yeah. stuff. Not to mention, I mean, the what do they call it, the genome, the DNA, how right. deeply they can look into someone mm -hmm. and say, this person is more susceptible to cancer than this person, and this person is more susceptible to this kind of breast cancer than this person. Th those are huge steps, right? Yes. Absolutely. All due to research, and that research takes money, and that's what Coleman does, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. And so, Joseph, you're here, Cancer Lifeline here in Seattle. You want to give mm -hmm. us the, the quick once-over about how long you guys have been around and, and sort of your main focus, but then how you work with Coleman. Well, we've been around for 45 years, and Cancer Lifeline began as a telephone lifeline for emotional support. And over about the first 20 years, we were listening to our patients uh, and caregivers who were calling, telling us what they were looking for as far as other supportive services. And so we began putting in-person services in place, such as support groups, uh, informational or educational classes, uh, general exercise programs, uh, and other uh, couple family meetings, uh, uh, meetings for children and parents, uh, and helping people keep the, the communication open between you know, caregiver and patient when there's someone in the family who has cancer. So we began working with Komen about 12 years ago, uh, and uh, we were the first recipients of the Komen Puget Sound um, Patient Assistance Fund, uh, and we helped them distribute those funds. Uh, to local low-income patients who had breast cancer. Uh, and we've been working with them ever since. 
So, yeah, Coleman, now let's talk about that. You guys not don't only just raise money for research and mm-hmm. for doctors and hospitals and scientists to really dig down, like I said, into the <laughs> the DNA, but right. you give out money to groups like Cancer Lifeline here uh, and other, you find groups that need, are actually supporting people living with cancer day to day, right? Yep. That's a big part of Coleman. Yep. And for years, our Cancer Lifeline has always been our number two priority funded program uh, for patient assistance because helping women and families in need financially um, is for us the second priority. The first priority is for free mammograms, of course, sure. um, but then secondly, it's to help women and families with the financial needs, whether it's getting them into care, financial need for um, you know gasoline for their car, or maybe it's um, rent money or paying co-pays, whatever it is that that family needs is okay. what we fund. Um, and it's usually somewhere between $100,000 and $200,000 every year. Um, so it's, a, it's like I said, it's the, big, the second biggest chunk of dollars that we give away every mm-hmm. year goes to, to this patient assistance program. Yeah. And the goal there is you know, to keep the patient in treatment right. so that they don't stop or skip their medications uh, or skip treatment options um, because so they you- can't... You know, so you mean so like somebody is so close on the border with their money that say I can't afford going this month I'm going to skip it so yeah. or I'm I can't pay for that drug this time around my prescription's up but yeah it's, I got to do X Y or Z with my money that is the kind of hole you fill that is the exact hole we're filling it's huge and there are a lot more people doing that than you would think um, you know if people are living on the edge you know paycheck to paycheck. And even if they have either great insurance or they're getting um, Medicare or Social Security, um, they're, they have a very limited income. And to add the expenses of going to treatment, co-pays that they do have to take care of out of pocket, uh, whether for visits or for medications or for supplemental medications, uh, or just the increase in, in traveling to and from uh, a treatment facility, those are new expenses that they don't have in their current budgets. And it can, it can change quickly for patients that they find themselves underwater, uh, skipping meals, uh, contacting us about resources to help pay their rent, uh, to keep their gas or their electric bills on in the winter, uh, or just to buy groceries for the family. So this is kind of like a side effect of getting a cancer diagnosis that people don't think about. Absolutely. A- am I right to say, kind of yes. say it that way? Absolutely. Because um, it, it really affects your life. Yep. This, the I financial think, burden, if, I mean, that's real, right? I think it's. I think my understanding is that healthcare is the second most common reason why families file for bankruptcy because of the medical expenses, and obviously, cancer is a big one because it is so expensive to get treatment, um, and it's even more expensive if you're metastatic, if your disease has progressed from your breast to another organ, because then you're in treatment essentially for as long as you live then afterwards, which could be for many, many years. Not to mention the, man, once the prescriptions and the medications start piling up and the treatments and chemo and whatever it might be, man, those just add up. You look at somebody who's uh, a cancer patient, you look at their list of what pills are you taking now? (laughs) It's three pages long sometimes, right? right? Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. It's very expensive. Right. And if you don't if you don't have health insurance or you don't have you know, sick leave at work, 
then right. you're deciding to not go to work because you can't because you're so sick but then you have no income because you don't have a benefit at work so it gets really really complicated very quickly for a lot of families any idea how much i don't know this got to be a crazy question there's probably no real average of what it costs to be a cancer patient every month or something or every I year know. i don't know is that's probably a crazy yeah, gonna, I, I shouldn't ask that without knowing there's an answer to it I don't know. well the good news about cancer treatment is they're constantly making advances and so it's it's specialized and it's it's a little bit different for each individual it depends on a number of factors the staging whether or not an individual is going to need chemo and radiation or um, another type of medication that's you know out. So, so that variable is pretty wild. But to David's point, you know, patients who are metas- have metastatic disease really do face more of a brunt because their treatments will be ongoing. Um, they won't be at a place yeah. where they will have uh, six weeks of treatment and then be done. You know, they'll have treatment while that treatment protocol is working. And when it stops working, then they will switch to a new treatment protocol and on and on. So they, the, the financial devastation that individuals with metastatic cancer uh, suffer is, is, is very unique, I think, and, and, and at the extreme end of it. Yeah. But it's the, that's the, the downs. I mean, that's the great part about this is individuals are living longer right. with um, these more aggressive stages of or types of cancer and staging yeah. of cancer. But... The flip side is, is they're in treatment longer. Um, and, and David, so Coleman just sponsored, I mean, this weekend, mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday, uh, hosted, I guess, you, the Northwest Metastatic Breast Cancer Conference, right? It's for right. patients and caregivers. Um, you know, why is hosting something like that important? Is this where people can get together, have specialists from all over the country and share? Or is that what? Yes. And it's... Um, it was started out of um, feedback from the metastatic community saying, you know, w- our lives are on the line and we don't often know what research is available to us, which trials that we could enroll in potentially, or what's coming to the metastatic community in the near future for those of us that are, um, you know, going through the protocols pretty quickly. Um, there's hope in the latest research for them. And so um, we created this conference with um, folks from the leading institutions and our Coleman scholars that we fund um, to do this research, to build the bridge between the community and the researchers. Often it's pretty well known, I think, that um, research, it, it, takes, it takes a long time for a drug to get to market. Yeah, And so... Um, it's really important for these women to know what's coming um, and to be advocates for it. We have data that says that um, there are certain communities that aren't asked to enroll in, in research trials. Um, if you're a person of color, you're less likely to be asked by your physician. Um, and so we want this year to emphasize that. And so we're doing a whole um, platform inside the conference in Spanish so we can enroll um, Latino women um, this year. So that's a really important piece for us to be able to get the information out to the community. Sometimes the ivory tower of research doesn't translate very well <laughs> to folks living 
you know, yeah, when you're sick and, and yeah. So, so that's, that's the whole sort of push of the conference is to, is to make it informational and have access to these researchers in a smaller setting so that women can actually talk to the researchers about their presentations and about their research. So it's really open. Yeah, that's cool. It's really opening up the the whole process and just the public as well as, you know, because I, I always assume these doctors from around the world share everything or the researchers and everybody knows everything that everybody else is working on. <laughs> and where does that ever even trickle down to the patients, let alone right. does that really happen? And we found, you know, from, from 25 years of having the lifeline before we had in-service pro- uh, programming, that information is one of the key things that we help support individuals with. Um, you know, that empowers people. You know, you go through a cancer diagnosis and it's it's brand new to you. Yep. Um, regardless of the type of cancer, um, it, that's you don't speak the language. And helping people assimilate to the language that they're being introduced to around medical care um, and around emotional things that come up with a cancer diagnosis. Those are also very impactful. But yeah. We, th- no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to sort of reintroduce who we who oh. you have here to our guests and, and where they can get more information. We're talking with David Richard of Coleman Puget Sound and Joseph Yurgovich of Cancer Lifeline. Um, online, like you said, a resource. You guys have been around for some 40-some years. Mm-hmm. Uh, online is, is now... The, they didn't have online 45 <laughs> years ago. Just, <laughs> can, it's just spelled out, cancerlifeline.org, right? That's cancer correct. Cancerlifeline.org. It's a great a place to go when you're first diagnosed or when you want to find out more. And you guys offer so many programs. Komen Puget Sound, again, is online. Komenps.org, again, another great website that tells what you guys do, all the connections. Uh, let's talk, Joseph, about some of those other things Cancer Lifeline does. You guys have a lot of programs that affect people. And like you said, you uh, early on, you were listening to your patients about what it is that can really help us as a patient. I mean, yeah, right. going through di- being diagnosed first off, that's like the first big step. Now what do I do? Your head must be spinning. What are some of the most uh, important kind of programs you guys offer? Well, I think uh, the emotional support programs are key. Uh, I think that's really undervalued uh, out in our community. Um, uh, mental health in, in general has a lot of challenges out in the, in the community of the United States. And so to, to provide people with uh, emotional support, whether it's in a traditional support group, which we have over 25 of around the greater Seattle uh, area, or whether it's in a, a less traditional format, um, people can call the lifeline for emotional support. Uh, they can go to our new Lifeline Online, which is an instant messaging feature, which is available 24-7. Now, that's cool. So take yeah. this back 40-some years. You were a phone, you know, a hotline sort of, a Lifeline exactly. on the phone. Now with instant messaging, that's perfect. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. And it's it appeals to a lot of younger people. And you'd be surprised and, and saddened to realize how many younger people are dealing with a diagnosis. Sure. Um, you know, in addition to... Uh, those more maybe traditional uh, resources, we do some non-traditional resources, you know, people uh, who don't think that they're a support group kind of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they come to our creative expression classes and they learn to help process, you know, what's going on for them and their family um, through making art. Uh, we also do some some general health and wellness programs for people. Uh, and we make sure that all of our programs, you know, they're first, they're free. Uh, and second, they're available to the patient and the caregiver. 
And the patient doesn't have to be newly diagnosed. They could be, you know, within the first few years of finishing treatment even. Uh, and it's also available to their caregiver. And whether that caregiver is their, their spouse or whether that's a friend who will take them to and from appointments or to and from our programs, we welcome them at the classes as well. Now, a caregiver and the patient's relationship is one thing, but how mm-hmm. about, I mean, then there's the family. I think you mentioned uh, couples or something to, uh, you know, or or children. You, I, you gotta, I've been diagnosed. I got to tell my 12-year-old what's going on because I can remember, I'll share my, I rarely talk about myself here. I'm not the focus of the story, but when my father got cancer and I was still in school, the junior high, my mom had trouble sitting us down and telling us exactly what was going on and it was sort of like, well, he's sick. And so anytime someone's sick, well, they always get better. But I could see on her face there's no getting better here or something. Right. And now let's fast forward 40-some years. My mom is having trouble telling us about her cancer. Right. <laughs> I mean, and or I'm let's put it this way. I'm having trouble asking her. Now, what exactly type is this? I should know this for my own daughter's sake, right? Well, I, I mean, how do, are those kind of supports offered? I don't know how to talk to people. It's hard to find them, and that's something that we can that we can help facilitate. Um, we do family and couple meetings where we bring the people and the family together who want to uh, open up the lines of communication and and help them do that. Uh, you're again, this would be new to you or your mother, uh, and so you shouldn't be an expert on how to talk about that. Uh, and so you can turn to people who have a lot of experience doing that for years. And that's the service Cancer Lifeline has been offering uh, for many years. And it's another free service. We would be happy to sit down with you and or your mother uh, to help facilitate a conversation that you'd want to have. That's often cancerlifeline.org. Uh, a lot of great support here. In the, it's Puget, almost all of Puget Sound area, right? I mean, it's well, we've got a service area that goes through the 16 uh, western Washington counties. So, um, same and, as ours. And exactly, the same as Coleman. I yeah. think Coleman so. Puget Sound is the same way, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I think we mirrored it off of Coleman Puget Sound. Well, you guys were first, maybe. So we maybe we mirrored off you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, the lifeline goes. The lifeline goes well beyond it. The lifeline's got yeah. a one eight hundred number, so people can call. Uh, you know, across from across the country. Right. Well, that's um, like the metastatic conference this absolutely. weekend was being live streamed. Right. So people can come in that's via fantastic. the internet wherever yeah. they live. Right. Because they're sick. So yeah. we wanted to make it available to people through, through you know, viewing on the computer. So what a great so, use yeah. of the internet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of insulting people and being barbaric. Right? I think we had, last year we had 40,000 hits and we anticipate wow. that after we count all of it from this weekend, that it will be the exact same, if not more. Great. So, yeah. Um, should we talk, I don't know if we, you know, we're talking breast cancer awareness. Should we talk basics? I still, I mean, symptoms and who's really at risk. There are different people at. I mean, everybody who has breasts is susceptible, right? right? That's well, the first thing to say. Well, and that men affects, as well. Yep, men and women, right? Right. Yeah, and one in eight. But also knowing your risk, knowing your family history, and whether Just, or not it runs in your family. So is, is really, that like I said to Joseph? If I knew what kind of cancer my mother has, I can relay that to my daughters and they can be more aware. Is that what we were talking about? Yes. Yes. And I mean, some there are some tests for some very specific kinds um, that was discovered, discovered by Mary Claire King a number of years ago, um, BRCA1 and BRCA2. But mm-hmm. we believe that there are over do- does, several dozen different kinds of cancers that yet are yet to be, um, I guess, discovered. Pinpointed, exactly. Yeah, yeah. because we know it runs in families, right? Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. We know, and you hear stories all the time about Mm -hmm. mothers and aunts and 
grandmothers and great grandmothers, and it just you can just see it. I mean, it's very clear up and down um, in in certain families. So we know it's there. We just don't know how it all ties together, except for this, you know, this one um, set. But um, different ethnicities, yes, ages, yes, where for you whatever live, reason, where you grew up, does yes, that, that, yes, there is research. All of that, in, absolutely. Yeah. But it's always important to talk to your doctor and make them aware of your family history. So because the like David said, the genetic testing. Um, that's that's really the forefront. They're making yep. such huge de- advancements, and by the time we were we would talk about one today, there'll be another half dozen, you know, in the next few months. So making sure to talk to your family doctor and make sure they know what your sim, um, what your family history is. Yeah, and the other thing I was going to say is that um, we know also that if you're African American or Latino, that you get diagnosed much later than mm-hmm. Caucasian women, and Absolutely. we. We really want women to be and families to understand that. Um, we don't know all the reasons. We know some. Um, we also know that in African American women, they are diagnosed with more deadly kind of breast cancer called triple negative, which is much more aggressive than, say, some of the other kinds. We don't know exactly why it is that African American women are diagnosed later and with more aggressive kinds of breast cancers, but it is in fact true, which is why Coleman has emphasized that. Um, and, and, and invested research in those specific kinds of aggressive um, cancers. Mm-hmm. So if there's a disparity in, you know, of cancer in different ethnic groups, is this financial burden also found to be? I don't know if you keep data on that, that you mm, help absolutely. people financially. Is that in disparate groups? It, it absolutely can be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we work with Komen. They've been great about putting guideposts uh, and identifying uh, different populations where there were needs and encouraging uh, us as well as the rest of their grantees to uh, improve service to those populations. Uh, and I think we've done a great job of that working together. Yeah. Yep. And so this, so again, well, let's talk, it's called like the Komen uh, Patient, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, the KPAF, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, the Komen Patient Assistance Fund right. that you guys uh, support their work with, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. And and that's a big chunk every year that yep. you decide, okay, Absolutely. because we raise money, here's some guys who, who distribute it well, right. and that's Cancer Lifeline here in right. Seattle. And right. then we can connect them to our other programs when we, we work with them uh, and support them financially. Um, we can connect them to the other resources that can be valuable to them that they might not be thinking of until they get that financial need met, you know, because that's that's driving their household. That's yeah. deciding what's on the table right. and whether there's electricity paid or the rent is covered. Um, yeah. And how about like before someone has a diagnosis, they need to be screened, right? Just regularly screening people. Is that up? I mean, through can- October, Cancer Awareness Month, I mean, are, is, are screenings doing better? To, and how about, is there a disparity in who still gets a screening or is that left out? Oh, that's I still think, got work to do. Well, the, well, there's a lot of work left to do. And I think the reason is, like Joseph was saying earlier, is multifaceted, right? So for our folks that work at Microsoft who are very, very busy women, what they say is that it's really helpful to have the mobile mammography come to the Microsoft campus because they can't get away from work to really? go get to a mammogram. So people still don't think that's a priority, that I stay healthy. Well, they think it's a priority, but it's I also... I take a day off of work a half Yeah, <laughs> half it's a hard to juggle between that and your yeah. family um, and the pressures at work. 
Um, and so that's why a lot of what we do is funding mobile mammography for communities that don't have access to medical care because we find that if you get the van or the, yeah. the big rolling, you know, big, it looks like a great big, you know, 18 wheeler almost, right, <laughs> to their neighborhood, yeah. they're more likely to get the mammogram. And how much does a mammogram screening cost? If people want to support, they realize, yes, uh, that is something important. I want to keep giving to Komen because they yep. help pay for mm -hmm. can breast we cancer screenings. We use $150 is what we use. Um, it can be much more than that if diagnostics are needed. But it's sort of a round number because yeah. there's all yep. these insurance and yep. things like mm -hmm. that. But yep. for the most exactly. part, $150 bucks yep. can help pay for someone's exactly. screening that wouldn't go or wouldn't have access to it. Right. Even And with all the talk about health care in the last... 10 years, let's say, everybody's going to be covered. Everybody has insurance. That's not really the case, is it? It's true that a lot of families now have coverage, but what is we've discovered is that they don't necessarily know how to use that coverage, and they fear for some families. Um, you hear talk in the political world of people being deported because they are found out to be using some um, assistance in the U.S. So there's a variety of fears, I think, um, out there about accessing services that we've discovered in the feedback that we've been getting from mm -hmm. the community. But also, if you give somebody a new program like an insurance in your low income and you've never had it before, it's really complicated. Insurance is really oh, uh, complicated. Oh, it is. If well, you speak a different language or you're yeah. an immigrant or whatever, I mean, there's six ways to Sunday that you can um, figure out why it's hard to access it, right? How yeah. do you, if you don't speak their language, for example, how do you make an appointment? So, right. well, there's just the practical, you know, the deductibles are huge. Right. If you huge. have these um, more accessible plans that you can afford, you certainly can't afford the deductible. So oh, people yeah. will so put you off have the pro the, care. You have the coverage, for, but to actually use it, you have a big copay or the, the deductible for the year is so big that you say, well, I'm not, not really going for this. Right. People uh, are thinking about their kids first and they, oh they put boy. it off. Yep. Um, so. And they don't maybe understand that the preventive stuff is free. It's supposed to be in all the plans, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's some air quotes around free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Air quotes around free. I like that. <laughs> hey guys, we're going to run out of time before too long. I want to make sure we wrap up with, with something maybe we've left out or something that's so important we have to say it twice. Uh, we're talking this morning with Coleman Puget Sound Executive Director David Richard and Joseph Yurgovich. He's the Executive Director at Cancer Lifeline. Again, I'll give the websites out. ComanPS.org cancerlifeline.org. Now, what should we mention a second time, or what did we forget to say already, or fundraisers coming up, or big events, anything? I know the Race for the Cure is always in the first weekend of June. Is that right? right? Okay. Yep. People can plan that for their next year's calendar. Yep. Or if they want to give a donation at the end of the year, they can go to either one of our websites and donate, um, and maybe fund a mammogram, um, or... Um, potentially give funds for the patient assistance program that yeah. we fund at That's Cancer Lifeline. That's what we're talking about, this cancer patient right. assistance fund. Anything to... You know, I would just say don't underestimate the emotional impact of cancer and how you can reach out and find resources to uh, address that. Um, we've seen it, you know, really decimate families and Cancer Lifeline is there to step in where the mental health uh, breaks down in our uh, healthcare system. So, um, you know, check out our programs, uh, go to a support group, uh, call our line, uh, or use the Lifeline online. Uh, they're great tools, uh, and they're all free. Great. Well, oh, glad you said that at the end. Yeah, cancerlifeline.org. It's all free. 
It's all free. What a great system. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for coming. We have been talking to Cancer Lifeline Executive Director Joseph Yurgovich and David Richard, Executive Director of the Susan G. Coleman Puget Sound Affiliate. Thank you guys so much for coming in today and sharing with us all you guys do. Uh, really a big thanks for what Cancer Lifeline and Coleman Puget Sound do to fight breast cancer. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having us, Gary. I am Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.